May you find what you're looking for, always have what you want, and fulfill your dreams. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. I'm your host, Ramia Amadin. We have a quote. Every episode we start with this, and because we're going into the holiday season, why not talk about the lovely and beautiful blessings to come up for the new year? And this courtesy of, first of all, <laughs> the author, um, Bianca Lavinska. This courtesy of the author, Bianca Lepinka. Um, and it is from the book called Carolina's Toast to Laura from the 365 Days. This is book one. And that courtesy of Amir Khan. So thank you to Amir for picking our quote of the week. And let's move on to the Sila homepage. We take a look at the Sela Library homepage at the start of every episode. C-E-L-A library.ca is where you go for those details. And these three books I'm about to mention are featured right on the homepage, right at the top. Black Waterfalls by Asma Zianet Khan. This is a police procedural fiction. And we also have Artificial Divide by Robert Kinjit. And this is an anthology. They categorize that as so... And the last one is Love from Mecca to Medina by S.K. Ali. And this is a family stories and a contemporary romance. Check these out. As I said, on the CELA homepage, this is the Center for Equitable Library Access by visiting celalibrary.ca. Also want to thank you for listening, for tuning into this podcast. Every week, every episode, we have a lot of incredible conversations. We go everywhere when we talk audiobooks, we talk authors, we talk narrators, and you are on this ride with us. And as we end another year, another season of AMI Audiobook Review, we're feeling sentimental, Nazreen and I, and we want to thank you so much for joining us. But we can't stop here because we have one last episode for the year and it will be released on new year's eve so perfect timing we couldn't have planned that out better and that's going to be an episode tagged with all of your recommendations recommendations from the community from guests who've joined us over the last several uh, episodes and it's gonna be jam Hacked. So I wanted to get the shout out in this time around so that you can take a listen to that final episode of the series. But we're not done for this episode right here. So we're going to bring on Amir Khan in a second to talk about immersive reading. Find out what that is on AMI Audiobook Review. This is AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. And we're checking in with Amir Khan because, of course, it is the end of the month, pretty much the end of the year. And we have lots of reviews every month. But with Amir, it's like having, you know, five people review five different books because he goes through so much reading. And the good, the bad, the ugly, as we say, is bound to come out. 
Today's theme, although we're not going to get right into it right away, is immersive reading, how books can take you places. But I'm our first things first, we've been chatting about the quote a little bit with people lately, and I wanted to ask you, as you picked this one for the week, where did it come from? It came from a uh, three-book series, uh, 365 Days collection by uh, Bianca uh, Lapinski, I believe is how you say her name. This is not a trilogy that's for the faint of heart. Um, it is romance, but it is, it's is—it's got some themes of Stockholm Syndrome, and it's sort of a uh, fantasized gangster romance type uh, type of novel. So definitely not for, for the faint of heart. It has been turned into a movie. I have not seen this movie, but I would imagine that um, the edges of this book were softened quite a bit to put it into theaters. Hmm. So can I say it's not necessarily plot heavy but character heavy it's both i mean the the positive uh, about this book and i'm painting it probably uglier than than i should uh, is that it's a it's a very immersive experience this 365 days collection i mean she talks about different locales so you feel like you're on the beach or uh, in different geographic locations she talks about food she talks about smells there's even musical elements so you can get a lot out of the book if you uh, sort of follow along with with the different things that are happening in the book. If you want to, you know, cook whatever they're eating, or um, you know, basically follow what music they're they're going. So it's got some some positives to it, definitely. But I mean, if you're triggered by things like Stockholm syndrome or, or control issues or, or things like that, and when it comes to things like romance, then this this trilogy is not going to be to your liking. Mm. Okay, which is um, not at all like the quote we picked. No, and, and that's <laughs> and that's and that's what yeah. got me early. Early in the first few chapters, the book starts with this quote, and it immediately captured my attention because I thought it was so, so positive, so upbeat, so so mm-hmm. interesting to me. Um, the quote is actually from one of the beginning uh, of the first book, where she's gathered with her friends on vacation, and her friends makes one of her friends makes this particular toast, and I just thought it was really really nice and uh it stuck with me yeah well thank you thanks for the quote and then thanks for breaking down the book and thinking or having this wonder and what part of the book did this quote come from then um moving on to other housekeeping if you will because you were given some homework <laughs> to find some feel-good books by our technical producer Nisreen Abdel-Majid so did you do this I came across an article from the Washington Post uh and you know titled the 14 best feel-good books of 2022 and I took a look at the list and it's a really weird mix of fiction and non-fiction not many of the books really spoke to me um, but I thought I'd give this particular book a try um, one of them um, and the book is is titled uh, we are the light by Matthew quick and unfortunately I would personally not describe this book as feel good there's it's, my, my word for this particular book would be melancholy um, but it is a thoroughly interesting immersive book as I like to call it because it's actually going into a completely different headspace than, than what we're used to from from a, a traditional storytelling type of book um, the book is laid out as a man who is writing letters to his therapist um, about the tragedy of his wife being uh, killed in a mass shooting in a theater. And although it sounds very, very, very tragic, and it is, there's something that's arm's length about this this writing. And he's talking about basically how he's getting through um, this particular grief. He himself was in the theater during this, this tragedy. And 
as we keep reading these letters, even more interesting things start to unfold. And the main plot line of this of this novel is that the brother of the shooter actually ends up camping out in his backyard because he feels like he has nowhere else to go. Um, the main character in this case is the local high school counselor. So he feels he's uh, comfortable enough to camp out in his backyard. And the storyline keeps going in, in all sorts of directions. Um, but the book is definitely about mental health. Obviously, there's there's triggering here, too, for things like mass shootings. If you if you can't deal with that, then that's, you know, this is not a book for you. But like I said, it, it's it's fairly arm's length in terms of the actual gore and getting into the nitty gritty. It's, it's a lot more about the main character, Lucas. Um, trying to deal with the grief and, and um, trying to figure out how, how to move on without his wife and how this particular town of uh, majestic Pennsylvania is sort of uh, dealing with the grief and trying to support each other to move forward. Now, I am curious. I mean, you don't take all uh, articles in absolute, and sometimes you got to go with a grain of salt, but would you be able to care to venture with me and explore why somebody else would call this a feel-good book i think in general terms the book you can look at it as a a town dealing with the tra uh, a tragedy and how they sort of overcome it as a community in, in that sense of it it's, it's sort of a feel-good book but in terms of you know if, if this is something that you want to read before the holidays and you know uh, get out the candy cane and then christmas cake and all this is <laughs> not it right Mm. So um, and maybe it's the the feeling, the healing, yeah, of the field, the, the healing right? and yeah. addressing a lot of like I said, it's, it's a fascinating book in terms of how it addresses mental health, um, e even the concept of writing a letter to your therapist because the therapist won't see you, um, mm -hmm. and and the different things that that he experiences and why he experiences them is is really interesting to me and um it, it does it in a way that's not off-putting it, it's it's very believable it's very realistic um and it, it you know it, it's sort of like a Ho colleen hoover book without being as intense um okay. if i can put it that way so like i said there is that arm's length distance um there will be parts where you know it will hurt your heart to, to a degree but it's not the type of book where you're going to be needing, you know, a carton of Kleenexes or something. It's it's not mm -hmm. quite to that level. Right. Not not as uh, quite as detailed. So you're you mentioned the immersive books concept. And um, I want to break that down a little further because the title, as we said, that you chose for this segment is books can take you places. So what do we mean by this? What are immersive books? What's immersive reading? I think for, for me, immersive reading is really getting into the books and the books taking you places. I, I don't think it's any secret that, you know, you can pick up a book and it can make you feel like you're somewhere else um, and, and in different ways. I mean, I just described this particular book taking you to a, to a different headspace, but I, I find geographically you can get a lot out of it too. Um, for me personally, I did a charity walk in, in Morocco uh, in 2019. And before I went, I thought I'd read some books about Morocco and that's where I discovered the author Jane Johnson, which I've talked about before. Uh, and she writes historical fiction mostly about Morocco. And it was a great experience for me to, to read those books before going out there. Um, and I felt a better connection to the place. And it was, you know, a quote-unquote immersive experience for me. Um, I had another friend who was going to Iceland. Um, and I purchased a secondhand book, the uh, Jules Verne's Journey to the Center of the Earth, uh, which is, you know, an, you know, less than a 100-page book, I believe. And it's, you know, uh, it's about 
the people who go to Iceland to see how far they could go into the middle of the earth through a volcano that's you know, a deactivated um, volcano or inactive volcano, I should say. I think that it's uh, interesting to think about what books may take you to these places, right? Like not always necessarily what you're looking for will take you there because I'm thinking more, you know, fantasy. Fantasy takes you to different, literal different realms, different worlds, as you said. Um, but I wonder if all of us know that this is going to be a book that takes us to a particular place when it does. And that's interesting because of the headspace aspect of it. What else? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've talked about the review for, for the Starless Sea, um, which is a completely different abstract sort of concept where it's taking you to a place that doesn't exist and the reality is sort of unknown and you're just reading through these pages and it's sort of melting from one thing to the other. I don't know if I actually did tell you this, but I finished The Starless Sea finally. And you might be the only person who's heard about it on the show because I started the book like in August, maybe even before that, and finally got through it. And it's one of these books where I had to keep putting it down. But every time I picked it back up, um, it would remind me of like where we are, the world that we're visiting, and all the swirling magic that's happening around us but it was like long long story building and absolutely came out of that book f closed it for the final time because it was done and thought what the heck happened <laughs> you're not alone i, I, I think no towards the my review of it was i know something profound happened at the end but i just didn't have the energy to just to put it together it and, and connect it and yeah, it, it was enough. It was enough. I think oh, man. a lot of people would have yeah. had trouble with that one. Yeah, and and it, but it was just beautiful, absolutely Phenomenally beautifully written. written. Yeah. yeah, yes, um, Aaron Morgenstern, uh, and and we've shouted out Aaron Morgenstern in different capacities here. But yeah, the Starless Sea, quite an interesting ride. So, anyways, let's keep moving with the um, immersive because yes, we're not just talking about fantasy and world building here. Exactly. And uh, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by uh, Taylor Jenkins Reid is, is another novel that is, is sort of a masterwork in terms of going through the entire life cycle of, of somebody. Um, the entire book is really about what Hollywood is like. There's some LGBTQ plus themes in there, but the author covers so much ground and comes full circle in, in so many ways. Um, definitely qualify it as, as something of an immersive read, and it's easy to read. This is not something like the Starless Sea, where you're, you know, you really have to pay super attention to see what's going on. Um, there's definitely suspense. There's definitely some curveballs. There's definitely romance. There's a lot of things in this in this book, and it's really well laid out. And she explores themes like, you know, uh, what are you prepared to do to take from life? Whether you should, whether mm. you shouldn't. Um, basically, the, those fine lines of, of morality between taking something or expecting something from someone um, and exploring the entire culture of, of Hollywood and, and um, that sort of thing from the 1950s onwards. That's um, an interesting way to look at immersive reading because you're kind of putting yourself in the shoes of, you know, would you dare to be this person to make these choices uh and sometimes like we talked about trigger warning earlier with the other book but sometimes i think that this can be quite quite an exploration as well quite an adventure if you're the type of person to actually put yourself in these person's shoes and say would i would i would i not like a would you rather scenario right it's uh yeah, or a yeah. moral it's, dilemma maybe it's, it's sort of a 
higher stakes game of choose your own adventure, right? I mean, yep. for a lot of this book, she has to make choices with regards to her sexuality and, and you know, whether she, she hides it from, from everyone or she comes out. And the consequences are much different than from today to the 1950s or the 1960s uh, at that time. Um, and, and what was acceptable and what wasn't. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, what else, uh, what other books made you come back to this theme of immersive reading? The Girl on the Train um, by uh, Paula Hawkins is, is another one. Th- this book is, is sort of a suspense thriller. You really feel like you're in um, the London, UK area or London, England, I should say, area. Uh, with this book. Uh, this is another toughie in terms of um, there's themes of depression, alcoholism, and these types of things. But the concept of the book is, is thoroughly interesting in where you know you have an ex-wife who takes this train every day to go to London, uh, where she's pretending to go to work, but she, she can't bring herself to actually work uh, because she's battling alcoholism. And while she's on this train, she can see her ex-husband's backyard uh, from the train. Um, and she can see her ex-husband's neighbor too and you know like like most people there's some imagination involved in terms of what people might be doing or or not doing but she notices one day that the the neighbor that lives next to her there's a different man there instead of the the husband and one day and she finds out the next day that um she's missing and it's all over the papers that this particular wife is, is now missing so she's in a moral dilemma of whether to tell people or not and whether people would believe her. And the novel sort of spirals from there. Um, she lives in a suburb of London, uh, and you really get the sort of experience of, of, of being in that society, in that culture, uh, in terms of you know using the train and, and the different aspects of British society. Okay, so there's the the location, of course, which has come up in all the other books as well. But, um, it, you know, painting a picture is pretty big in having us allow ourselves to immerse even if you're not necessarily relating to the content yourself mm-hmm. this one's interesting to me because it's kind of like some of the tv shows we watch where you know the the protagonist or whoever may be incriminated by the by the mere act of uh, telling people something they know um but you know do they decide and why or why not yeah and you know the author does a great job of leading different stories from different people as well it's not just all about the main character there's there's different characters involved in terms of what happened and how it happened in terms of you know how she got divorced what his new ex-wife or her you know the husband's new wife is doing um, even the story of the couple that, you know, the, the wife is missing and, and sort of following all of those characters um, is, is really fascinating in this book. All right. We got a couple more books you wanted to shout out in uh, response to this theme of immersive reading. So how about Magnolia Palace? Yeah, the Magnolia Palace by Fiona Davis is actually a American uh, Amherst Evening Book Club uh, book pick uh, from one of our members. Uh, this is the last sort of heavy hitting book I'll, I'll talk about uh, today. Um and it, it's also a, a, a big book, and I don't mean that from the length perspective. I mean from a, the amount of ground it covers. Um, you know, similar to the, the you know the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, uh, it's sort of a full circle type of book. Um, this one takes place in New York City. Um, specifically, most of the book takes place at the Frick Mansion, which is uh, also a museum. 
Um, the interesting part of this book is that you can actually go and see the Frick Museum today. Um, the the mm. mansion is, is out there and is open to the public. And the author used it as a jumping point for her book in terms of um, the Frick Mansion used to belong to the Frick family, uh, whose patriarch basically donated the, the home along with all the art in it to be a public museum. Uh, that's something he wanted done after his passing. And the book takes place when he's actually living in the, in the place. Um, it's sort of similar to The Pilot's Daughter, which is another book I've reviewed. It also takes place in New York, and it also has two timelines, which this book also has. Um, the book is centered around uh, the 1900s as well as the 1960s. Um, the central character is a model um, that is uh, uh, prominent in, in the New York art scene, but her neighbor um, becomes murdered and she decides to go and hide from the police who are asking too many questions. And she ends up as a secretary um, for someone in this particular freak mansion and the storyline sort of flows from there there's a lot of questions about you know high society versus everything else there's a lot of art in the um uh, in the book uh from an immersive experience perspective it's fantastic because the author actually uses all the real art from from the museum um the museum also has a virtual tour so you can actually go online and, and, and check out the artwork that way too so it's really about how much you want to get out of the uh, the book and, and, and you know you can really uh, take it to a couple of different levels from from just reading it yeah wow I, I find that there's you know uh, so much diversity in how many places we can go and that's you know in this world out of this world whatever but then when you think about time as well going back in time is just as interesting as you know fantasizing about the future or whatever so it's quite quite the ride that we take and also the intricacy and details that authors put into historical whether it be fiction or not fiction um the the historical aspects of writing is just fascinating to me yeah and i think i was fascinated about where inspiration comes from for authors so yes at the end of the book uh, she talks about looking at the statue in front of uh the freak museum and thinking I wonder if the model for this statue ever worked in this place and what that would have been like. And she <laughs> decided to write a story about it. And I'm like, that's so amazing, you know, just from just I know. looking at the place from the, you know, from the front sort yeah. of feel. So where'd you go and why? Yeah. It, like, it is true. I'm reading The Green Mile by Stephen King at the moment. And I skipped through the forward and the writer's notes at the beginning, the author's notes, because I was like, what, what do I care? But by the time you get to the end of the book, you're like, oh, my goodness, where did all this come from? And he spoke about, you know, keeping it fiction, but putting in very real facts about the, the time frame he's writing in, right, the 1930s and the place he's writing in uh, in the, the south of U the U.S. And it's so uh, just absolutely realistic. Like you don't you don't know as the reader unless you're well informed where the facts are and where it became fiction. So um, just just molding that is so captivating. Now, you wanted to end on some really more, more fun books, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We're so close to the holidays and Christmas. I, yeah, I, I, right. I couldn't in good conscience just leave it at these, you know, super heavy books. Um, I, I mentioned the author Ali Hazelwood uh, before. She's, she's a rom-com author. And I read Below Zero recently, uh, which is only about four hours long. So it's a very short book. 
but it, you know, it, it's sort of a rom-com with a very brash, unvarnished sort of hilarity to it. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, but it, it's, again, it's not for everyone. It, it's a touch profane, but it's it's one of these novels that that will make you smile and and you'll enjoy. Um, I hesitate to talk about it too much just because it's only four hours long. So the more I say about it, the more <laughs> uh, unrevealed it Two is. Two hours right? if you speed it up. So well, yeah. And but I, I will say it, it's a pretty simple storyline where a, a graduate student um, interviews somebody at NASA and. She is uh, interested in becoming a NASA scientist and basically ends up becoming one. And the person she interviews is still around, um, but blocking her way. And the hilarity begins, um, well, even before that, but <laughs> let's just put it that way. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a lovely little novel. Um, again, it's, it's a lot of fun uh, if you like brash and sort of unpredictable characters. I mean, we've come across so many romances with that standard sort of demure character of people who are even-tempered and all this, and this is the complete opposite of that. So it was, it was refreshing to, to read and, and smile about somebody who is not so interested in keeping her feelings uh, bottled up. Mm, absolutely. Exactly. Talk about expression. Amr, this is what happens when you take Nisreen's advice to go find some feel-good books. Uh, we end up on a roller coaster of a conversation. Thank you so much for uh, you know all your reviews throughout the year, and we hope you have a really safe and relaxing holiday. Thank you so much. Take care. Amir Khan joining us at the end of this month, but we still got one more great, wonderful year-end episode to share with you of AMI Audiobook Review. That'll be in a week. Until then, happy audiobook listening. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.